This show is brought to you by listeners and viewers like you. EvanX.com Tesla Accessories, our TeslaOwnersOnline.com community, and our Patreon supporters at Patreon.com slash TeslaOwnersOnline. Well, everyone, welcome again to another episode of the Tesla Owners Online podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Page. I'm joined by Ian. And uh, today is August 11th for 2021, episode 10. What are we at, Ian? Do we even know? We don't keep track of this. 106? Is that right? Um, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, anyways, Eric is supposed to be joining us, but I don't know where the hell he is. So, sorry, I'm late. Whoa, we have a guest in the house, folks. Yes, for the first time ever, Eric Camacho is in the house in our studio literally on this side of the border in mm-hmm. canada welcome thanks thanks for having me it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's nice to know that uh, justin trudeau was very kind enough to offer me the key to the country uh i i chose to turn it down because that's just a lot of weight to have to bear but uh, here i am and, um, <laughs> and i'm glad to be joined by my cohorts uh literally i've seen both men in the last 24 hours so it's been uh, it's been fun well in, in the last tw- in the last 24 hours in the last like eight <laughs> really uh you know, let's let's just say for uh, for safety and security, we've been I've been seeing each other in the last twenty four hours. Okay. Yeah. Well, the truth be truth be told, Eric was supposed to come up last year, but because of the pandemic, of course, he had to cancel his vacation plans to oh, come up because the borders were all closed. And now, literally on Monday of this uh, this past week, the borders opened, and Eric just kind of hightailed it up here. And of course, we're all vaccinated, so everything's cool. You don't have to worry about us and stuff. But. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so now he's on vacation. He's spending a few days. Well, he spent a couple days with Ian, and now he's spending the balance of his time with us. We're going to do some different things and have some fun. But uh, yeah, it just happened to coincide. It was good timing to do the podcast. So mm-hmm. we figured, you know what? He's in. He's in the house. Let's have some fun. So we have lots to talk about. We got some Tesla stuff. I want to say thank you to everybody who um, sent in questions via Twitter today. I know we haven't done that a little bit because we've just been busy with other things. But uh, anyways, lots of news. Um, I've I think we should start off the day just to remind everyone, in case you haven't been following Elon on Twitter and stuff, that uh, Tesla is going to be having an AI day coming up on August 19th. Um, not too many details on that at this point, other than the fact that they're going to be talking about Dojo, which is their AI training supercomputer. There's been some leaks as far as um, a roboticist, and I forget his name. I apologize. I know a lot of you are going to comment on that. Anyways, uh, he leaked an image of what appears to be 25 of these custom dojo chips on a die so i guess we'll find out some more about that we don't know if it's going to be live stream but typical with tesla i think it's i think it'll be live stream do you I think, think so. i would think so yeah i yeah. have to yeah for sure anyway so the purpose of it is really for recruiting apparently so it's you know it's probably going to go over a lot of our heads but it'll still be interesting so anyways put that on your calendar august 19th so that's literally next week isn't it yeah correct so Anyways, having said that, let's move on. We got some Tesla news. Uh, so Tesla published their 2020 environmental impact. Matter of fact, I'm going to actually pull it up here on the screen so we can just follow along through with it, everybody. Here it is. There we go. Scrolls up. So, anyways, there's a, a PDF file you can click on this button here. We're not going to take a look at that. We're just going to peruse some of the numbers in here. Um, Tesla has uh, average life cycle life cycle emissions uh, CO2. Uh, pretty nice graphs in there. But some of the important stuff, I just wanted to um, scroll down a little bit here. This was the big one here, and, and I know on the Twitterverse, people are really going crazy about this. Anyways, Tesla claims that um, they are recycling 92% of the materials in the battery pack. So they are in, in, indeed recycling their batteries. They do not go in landfills. I know a lot of people, that's an argument we see a lot of, mm-hmm. right? People seem to yeah. think these batteries go in landfills. No, they don't, because they're valuable. And people like to open them up and use the modules for things like stationary storage for solar and stuff. So if you think they go in landfills, I got a, I got a bridge to sell you. So anyway, it's nice to see that. And then uh, let's see here, distance traveled, uh, CO2. Anyway, it's, it's a pretty nice um, report. Uh, they go into a little bit of safety here at the bottom. Of course, every Tesla made so far uh, that has been tested. Not all of them have been tested yet because we're still waiting on Model Y result numbers. Anyways, five-star crash ratings in every category by both the, uh, NHTSA and the U.S., and the insurance IIHS, that's the bottom one. So we're still waiting on some reports from those cars to get rated. So still five star. And um, of course, any future cars that Tesla comes out, we know number one thing is uh, safety on the whiteboard. So we can expect to see five stars in those ratings too. I doubt that Tesla would actually sell a car if it didn't reach five star. Probably not. It, it, it would be out of character, right? Yeah, very much out of character for them. Um, and then uh, number of vehicle fires, um, average in the US. I think this is a little bit I mean, it's it's telling in the sense that, you know, I mean, there's 180,000 car fires 
um, in the U.S. every year. And you hear this much on the radio, but as soon as, you know, one Tesla fire, and of course it makes the news. I think it's a little bit disingenuous because they're comparing every car out there with Teslas. So that's kind of skewing the numbers a little bit. I think proportionately it would be a little bit better. But anyways, it's an interesting read. If you guys want to check it out, you can do that. I'll leave a link in the video description. Um, any thoughts on this? Did you guys really go through this? I just kind of cursely, I just thought I'd, you know, talk about it real quick, but. Yeah, I, mean, I think it pretty much speaks for itself. It's well laid out. It's uh, it's some beautiful it's pictures. Look at that Model oh, S yeah. at the bottom. Look how nice it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love the wider fenders on the new one, man. It's mm, like, ooh, yeah. so beefy. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the Model S here shortly anyways uh, in the question question period. Right, so, uh, yeah, if you guys want to check that out, I'll have a link in the uh, video description. You guys can uh, certainly check that out. Um, all right, let's talk about Giga Berlin. Obviously, Tesla has two factories currently being built right now, the one in Giga Berlin, just outside in Brandenburg, and the other one's in Austin, Texas. Um, we've talked about this many times on the show. Uh, Berlin is suffering from all kinds of delays, mostly not from internal reasons. It's um, external externalities. Mm -hmm. Environmental groups, probably backed by some of the other car companies. We don't really know. One in particular might have a name that starts with a V, just saying. Yes, exactly. So anyways, uh, they've been throwing all kinds of wrenches into this thing. Um, anyways, so our good friend uh, Simon Alvarez, who writes great articles here with Tesla Roddy, so a hat tip to him for this. Um, apparently the objections to this are starting to dwindle. So now it's down to 44 objections, which in my opinion is still too much. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, the environmental groups have made uh, all kinds of stinks about the gigafactory. We've talked this before. There was snake gate, and then there was owl gate, and the, I mean, <laughs> they're poor animals. So anyways, they're making a stink about this thing. There was a very short clip that was released, I think it was yesterday, um, German TV show where they showed the inside of the factory. It, look, it looks to me like everything's ready to go. Um... Anyways, they're, um, they're just trying to get this, uh, this stuff going. Um, apparently, according to the article, the environmental minister, um, um, Axel Vogel, uh, said on Wednesday that the parliament, uh, the state parliament's environmental committee, uh, I can't even read today, the committee, <laughs> has received only 44 objections. Um, uh, when the first iteration of the Tesla plans were published, they say that uh, there was 373 objections. So obviously they've been dwindled down, and I think a lot of this has to has to do with a lot of these cases being thrown out of court because it's just ridiculous. So, anyways, um, we're hoping to see this uh, getting resolved by the end of the year so they can actually start production. So, um, yeah, any thoughts on this? Well, the one that comes to mind is it's maybe not a bad thing. We know that like Tesla likes to move at the speed of light, right? And it's kind of like fix it in the mix, go, go, go. I'm hoping that they're going to profit from the delays to really fine tune the production line. Well, that really is, yeah, that, that is a side effect. I mean, it's an, un, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's a good side effect in the sense that it really allows the, you know, to, to do that kind of stuff. But otherwise, I mean, it's, it's still not fun to see these delays. No, 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 of course not. But I mean, at least if there's if there's a small, you know, like flower in the mix here, you know, a little little bit of shining light, it's that like it gives them a little bit more time to really dial it in. One hopes that that's what's happening. Especially the paint shop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we all know that. Um, right. Speaking, uh, speaking of factories, let's talk about Giga Shanghai. So Giga Shanghai is, uh, they got a run rate now is approaching 450,000 cars a year, which is basically on par with what they're doing in Fremont. Mm -hmm. Um this accorda, uh, comes courtesy of our friends at uh, Clean Technica. Uh, they're saying that Tesla's Giga Shanghai has reached a milestone earlier this month. It now has an annualized vehicle production rate of 450,000 Model 3s and Ys. Matter of fact, um, there's a separate article here. I may or may not link to it. But anyways, it shows that uh, Shanghai is actually turning out to be Tesla's largest export. Hub. They're actually sending Model Ys now to Europe, mainly because uh, Fremont's full. Uh, so they have some excess capacity now, so they're starting to export the cars on that front. I thought it was interesting because I, I was talking to some other people at, um, at a car show, I think it was last weekend, and making the point that uh, we see innovations typically happen in the Shanghai plant first, and then they come to North America. Like we saw the heat pump mm -hmm. um, happen in Shanghai first. We saw the new interior uh, center console, mm -hmm. the new door panels, which, by the way, haven't made it to the new Model Y yet, even though my friend who just literally took delivery of his Model Y last week, who's had like a brand new car, has all the stuff except for the new door panels. So I would expect probably within a month we'll probably see those show up in Fremont. I think that's a supply chain thing, right? They must have supply a little oh, closer sure. to China. Just, you know, X-Men. At this point, you beggars can't be choosers. If, if you're getting door panels, be happy. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody yeah. else, you know? I know our friend Mike, uh, cyber owners there on... Uh, he was, he was waiting to place his order, and he was really, really hoping to get the new door panels because he didn't like the old ones. He's ordering the white interior, and he wanted the uh, 
the new panels. But uh, anyways, turns out he's ordered. I don't know what he's waiting for. He's, I think he's probably just rolling the dice on that one where they get some door panels. All the best luck to you, Mike, if, uh, if you get to do door panels as if that's what you really want. Um, they go on to say here that it looks like uh, there are thoughts that Tesla can even make 100 million, uh, what, not 100, a million EVs in 2021. 100 million, yeah, we only wish. 100 million. 100 million, yes, exactly. That'd be nice. Yeah, uh, in September of last year, um, clean technical Zach Sash and, uh, pointed out the Giga Shanghai itself could produce a, a million vehicles a year at some point. Um, uh, Giga Shanghai is currently going uh, undergoing Phase 3 expansion, so they're already in Phase 3. Um, do we even know what phase three is? Is that for cell manufacturing? I know in Giga Berlin, they've broken ground for their cell factory. The one in Austin, um, the ground has been cleared, but they've put a stopgap on that because the uh, Piedmont lithium has delayed some, some things. So it looks like they're, uh, they're delaying, uh, production over there. It doesn't mean they won't get 4680 cells in time for when they need them. It just means that there's our, it's tied to supply and ch uh, to supply chain stuff. So anyways, I think it's pretty good. I am not in game form today. I don't know why. I just don't feel it. I'm it's not it's it early. I'm here. It's probably just, <laughs> your heart is nervous. Yeah, probably that. A little bit of un unpreparedness, but we still we still trudge on, right? Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about Model Y. It looks like, uh, courtesy of our friends here at Drive Tesla, there's a possibility that the long-range rear-wheel drive Model Y may make a final appearance. According to this article, they're saying that there are a few people that reported that they'd seen some activity on their Tesla account showing that, um, uh, what did they say here in the article? That something had changed. Actually, our, front, uh, our friend, their mother Frunker, had reported that uh, your delivery's on hold. That was the first time they've actually seen that in their account. So what does this mean? Does it mean mm -hmm. that Tesla's going to finally pull the veil off of this thing and actually start delivering this? I think a lot of people would really, I mean, if I was getting a Model Y, this would be one I'd be interested in. Long-range mm -hmm. rear-wheel drive, that's the most efficient. Yep. That would be the one to get, I think. So hopefully they do eventually come out with this car because I think there's a pent-up demand for that. Um, right now, Model Y is coming in at Canadian around 60, 68, 69,000. Maybe I'm off a little bit. Anyways, uh, according to these numbers that I've seen here in the screenshots, could be as low as about six thousand dollars off the current price so whatever the current all-wheel drive off um, is you know that could be potentially the price so anyways still not a standard range type in order to qualify for a rebate at least here but um, i think that's promising so if they do that i, I would suspect this one would be a really good seller mm -hmm. the, you know the mid-range uh, the the standard range didn't sell all that well i think that's why they clobbered it people want the long range and whether you get all-wheel drive or not i think is at this point, you have a choice because that's the only one they offer, right? But to get all yeah, I, I I'd love to see them get this configuration like like to fifty nine nine ninety five in yeah. Quebec because under sixty thousand you can claim the eight thousand rebate in Quebec, and that would sell like gangbusters. Yep. A long range rear wheel drive for fifty two k. Woohoo! Yeah, no Let's doubt. Go, no you know? doubt. Well, it's already selling like crazy because that's all I see in new cars around here. I'm not seeing as many three. I mean, I know the people who have threes. But if you drive around town now, I'm seeing Ys like literally everywhere. No, we still have a lot more threes. Well, when Eric was here, he was like, oh, my God, there's a three. There's a three. There's a three. It's like there's an invasion of them in my neighborhood. Like the SR Plus, ever since it qualified for both rebates, oh, yeah. exploded in Quebec. Well, you guys still have really good rebates. Like we used to have a good rebate. Mm -hmm. Don't have it anymore. You guys have up to, what, 13000 bucks total? Combined? combined yeah combined. that's what you're looking at you know so you can pick up uh, a standard range three basically you're out of pocket for what about forty thousand something like that yeah that's good it's amazing yeah i mean even just as a model three owner i have my long range rwd and yeah. a lot of folks OG. now wish they could still get one and they can't and i think if model y came out in that that probably would be their number one variant oh absolutely the model Abs y. oh you're guaranteed it would outsell the model three absolutely for yeah. sure for sure well, we're hoping we see that. So if there's any activity or anybody here, any kind of movement on that, let us know. We'll be keeping an eye on this. But, uh, yeah, this is encouraging. I'm hoping that it actually happens. Again, um, you know, it's all about supply and demand at this mm -hmm. point. So, All right, let's talk about Cybertruck really quick. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter, of course, that the Cybertruck was delayed. Listen, we've said this many, many times before on the show. If you think that you're getting a Cybertruck in 2021, um, you're going to be let down. Um, anyways... So our friends at Tesserati had uh, put out this article thinking that, uh, of course, this is speculation, of course, we don't really know, may have been caused by design finalization. Uh, my personal take on this is that knowing that the truck needs the 4680 cells and they're not ready yet, 
Nah, there's no real rush to design, you know, to finalize the design because if you think about it, you need about a year's worth of time frame between when you freeze a design and when you actually start in production to get your supply chain in order, right? You got to select your contractors, you got to get prototype parts in, you got to qualify them. You know, that takes time. It's not, it's not like as soon as you put your pen down, you start production, right? It doesn't work like that. So the fact that, um, you know, that uh, they finally finalized the design and now it's going to be going into the beta stage, I think is encouraging. But again, um, you know, the talk was that if you went to order a, a, a Cybertruck, it showed, you know, production starting in 2022. I actually checked my account to see if there was any mention on there. I don't remember seeing any kind of mentioning in my account to see if there was any kind of date that was mentioned in there. And I went in. So there's no mention of a date in your account. And second of all, if you try to edit your design, there's no mention of a date as well. So the only time that the date is mentioned is when you actually go in and place an order, a new order. So again, I still don't believe we're going to see Cybertrucks on the road in 2021. It's definitely in 2022. Set yourself up for that. But whether it's tied to this speculation, whether it's design finalization, or whether it's the fact that... Um, what was the other one? <laughs> the battery pack? Well, we know the batteries play into this, of course. That's the biggest part that Tesla's, mm -hmm. you know, trying to get sorted out. Um, um, so, yeah, anyways, keep an eye on this. See what's going on. Um, right. Now, Curtis of our friend, uh, who's our Chinese correspondent there in China, Ray for Tesla on Twitter, um, has posted that uh, the Tesla <clears throat> design R&D center in China will go online soon. He's saying that plenty of design engineer and technician jobs will open in seven categories, including vehicle design, vehicle software, hardware design, engineering, material engineering, powertrain, energy, energy, <clears throat> energy engineering, R&D engineering, operation, vehicle engineering. So lots of open, open spots there. Um, whether that means the $25,000 car, which is supposed to be designed there, is actually currently being worked on or will be waited for this to be um, operational is unknown at this point. I would suspect that part of at least some of the engineering part of it would have been started in Fremont or, well, in California first before they actually started going over there. Um, we don't really know. It's speculation at this point. But anyways, this is critical for Tesla to get on there to actually start developing some uh, different car models. So, uh, yeah, $25,000 car is currently... I mean, if you look at Tesla's, um, what was it, the uh, earnings letter, they showed at the bottom there's a chart and it says what's under development. Mm -hmm. Cybertruck, Semi, Roadster, <clears throat> and future product is what they're saying. Currently under development. So different stages, obviously. We know Semi-Truck's almost ready. Cybertruck's almost ready. The other two, we don't know at this point. All they say is just under development. So those are the Tesla news articles we have uh, for this week. Um, I guess we can get into questions mm -hmm. very quickly here. Let's just kill this uh, window sharing here so we can get in. So the first question comes from our friend Tar, and he says, uh, when will we see Model Y long-range <laughs> long rear-wheel drive in North America? Again, we just talked about the possibility of this. Again, we're hoping that we see it fairly soon. If this is any indication that it might be coming, it's encouraging. Uh, if that's what you're waiting for, hold on tight. Don't change anything. Um, obviously, if, if, you're, if you need a car, pick something and go with it. But we're hoping to see it soon. Uh, let's see here. Next question comes from Carlo. Um, after owning our cars for a few years now, if all of you guys are charging to 100%, how many miles are you getting? Just uh, give us a straight answer. No beating around the bush. I have a Model 3 Long Range 2018 rear-wheel drive, and I get 295. Beating around the bush. Uh, honestly, I don't know. My car lives in percentage. Um, the range is the range. Um, I know we've talked about that, and I know a lot of people get this. The thing you have to understand, and we've said this many times before, the range is an estimation based on voltages, right? And the voltages will change on a daily basis. Uh, temperature affects it. How you drive affects it. So you can't just ping a number and say, this car is always going to get 295 miles or 310 or 325, because it will change. So... You know, if you're getting 295, that's still great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's pretty damn close to 300, which is, you know, kind of table stakes these days for for, for good long-range car. Um, battery degradation, we have numbers that show that it's, I mean, it happens, but it's not as bad as people think it is. Um, I don't know. What, what are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, have you checked? Like, do you, you operate in miles or percentage? I forget, Eric. So I, I keep my vehicle in percentage. The last time I checked, when I had it charged to 100% and switched it to mileage, it said 306. Okay. 
So, so but again, your mileage may vary. Yeah. Ian, any thoughts? I mean, you're a percentage guy like me. Yeah, <clears throat> I am. But I have been quite vocal about this in the past, you know, with the uh, with the BMS resetting procedure. Yes. I'm quite religious about that, but for a very different reason. I could absolutely care less what this fictitious number is on on the on the screen because it's it's BS. It's like it goes up and down, like you said, travel like crazy. You know, and especially um, where we are in the north because of the climate and so on, you know, your your winter efficiency and your summer efficiency are completely different. Are you doing short range trips? Are you doing long range trips? All that stuff dials in. I recently um, read something on Twitter and I, I was quite amazed by it. And I wish I could give credit to the person that I spotted. I'll have to go back and look for it. But they added something to the conversation I had never heard. When you're trying to reset the BMS or, or get your range number back up on the screen, um, one of the things that apparently the computer is looking at is what your historical consumption is in the trip, um, in the trip computer. Like if you go bound, you know, on, on one of the cards, you can see, you know, since last charge and like yeah. lifetime mm -hmm. efficiency of the vehicle. And I don't know if, if the rest of yours is OCD, but I got like my lifetime one at the bottom. Yeah, I, I don't too. want to touch it. You know, yeah. it's like, it's a little museum piece. Yeah. And apparently this guy's like, no, 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 get rid of that because it's looking at the whole history of the car. And it's not all of it, but it's part of the determination. I mean, I find really? it hilarious that this is like some ancient Egyptian secret. Like we're like, you know, all these conspiracy theorists trying to, you know, decode the mystery of how the car makes this. And no one, not even the people we talked to at Tesla, seem to have a super clear idea. Certainly not at the service center level. Everybody's got a part of the puzzle, but we don't have the complete picture yet. Yeah. But suffice it to say... If you're interested in getting your BMS reset, it's real simple. Follow the procedure, you know, bring the car down to low charge, charge it up to 100 a couple of times, you're done. Whether or not that will change the displayed mileage is another thing. I haven't had much success. My car, new, showed, you know, the actual, whatever, whatever it's supposed to be, 310 miles when I got it. Yeah. And now it sits consistently at around 280. And people are like, oh my God, you've lost like 10% of your range. Ah, losing their minds. No. All the capacity is there. When I go on long trips, I wind up at the superchargers with, you know, same weather conditions. I'm there at the exact same SOC. The car does virtually within 1% yeah. the same distances that it used to. It's just the car's estimation has changed. And based on the way I drive, not conservative, um, the fact that I live in a colder climate, you know, and especially since the pandemic, I'm just doing little short trips, you know, uh, all of that contributes to keep that number down. But it's not battery degradation. I mean, to put the nail in the coffin on that, go back and look at um, Bjorn's fantastic series on how you actually calculate usable capacity of the battery. It's a real PETA to do, but if you follow his step-by-step -step procedure, looking at you know what the top number is, the bottom number is, you know, you need Teslify or like one of these apps where you can go in and see what the actual capacity, you, how much consumption you've used for X distance. It's possible to do that. You can come up with a real true hard number as to how much capacity is available to you on a 100% charge. That's the only way to do it. This number you see on the screen, forget about it. It's it's this pretend number that's based on a whole bunch of mumbo jumbo. It means next to squat. Fine Lab has aligned protective coatings that were engineered to protect your Tesla's paint, leather, carpet, plastic and wheels, effectively blocking all those UV rays and environmental factors before they ever get to ruin your brand new baby. Fine Lab offers a complete line of car care products and ceramic coatings for both the do-it-yourselfer and professional detailers. Did we mention we also have the world's first self-healing coating? Check us out at finelab.com, that's spelled F-E-Y-N-L-A-B, to see the science behind the self-healing. Check out our product catalog and click contact us for a free quote from a certified installer in your area. Fine Lab and Tesla, we were meant for each other. Yeah, I mean, I'm sort of a believer in mobile devices, wireless headsets, things like that, that you typically would see what the lifespan, talk time, you know, standby time, things like that. Those numbers always vary based on how many apps are running in the background. Uh, how much talk time are you on your phone for? Is it getting good signal? Are you on LTE or 5G? All these different factors play a role in what exactly the battery life is of your devices. And the cars are not that much different, but I've also seen changes in the mileage capacity of my vehicle with software updates. Uh, there was uh, yeah. there was a time back in two, th I, think it was, it was, I think it was in 2019, yeah. uh, where a software update came down and all of a sudden the n amount of mileage I get at 100% dropped by almost 20 miles. Yeah. And then 
three, yeah. two or three software updates later, that number went back up again. So there's a lot of different factors that are out of your control as an owner. The algorithm. Yeah, and, and because of those different factors that all three of us are all talking about, we all have different experiences because we're in different climates, we drive different vehicles, we're at different locations. Um, but ideally, if you keep your car at percentages versus mileage, then you really don't think about how much range you're using and how much the capacity is. Just, it's really just like your phone. Your phone doesn't show how much talk, talk time, time you have yeah. left. It just shows you what your battery percentages are. And ideally, if you can sort of live with other devices with that same... Uh, display, then your car should have that same behavior shown. Yeah, the way I operate my car is when it gets to twenty percent. Like when I first got my car, uh, when it hit twenty percent, and that's when you know the battery meter goes into the orange. Mm -hmm. um, I made a mental note of what the remaining range was. Of course, it'll vary a little bit, but I know mentally when I hit twenty percent how far I can go. And then ever since then, I live on percentage. So now I drive my car literally. When I get to 20%, I know it's time to think, okay, maybe I should start thinking about finding a charge. Mm -hmm. uh, charge. Uh, otherwise, I couldn't care what the, what the range is because for daily driving, it's never an issue. Yeah. Right? That's just my thing. Now, um, just f so everybody's aware, the, the next software update that's, growing, uh, that's currently being deployed right now, which is 2021.24. Whatever the last digit is. Um, now adds um, an extra icon. So if you tap on the battery icon, you'll be able to flip between percentage and miles now. So you don't have to go into the software settings to change anymore. So if you want to very quickly flip between the two, you'll have that opportunity. But anyways, uh, we said this many times before. We encourage people to try percentage mm -hmm. and see if you live with it. I know most people that we've talked to, once they switch to percentage, they just stop thinking about range anymore and they just live yeah. with the car. It's it's kind of liberating, and this is something I learned very very early on from from an early Model S owner. He was exactly the same way. He says, you know what, just switch it to percentage, and you'll see your anxiety level will drop so much less, and you don't have to worry about the voltages anymore. It is what it is. So that's our recommendation. I know it's not scientific, but what were you going to no, say? No, and just to assure people, I mean, you know, I do understand the concern. Like if yeah. you're going out on a long trip, you're kind of like, well, you know, I want to go 250, 260 miles. What's the car showing me actually being able to do? I, I understand why on a longer trip mm -hmm. you'd want to see that number to reassure you that you have more than that in your battery. But a much better way to do that is to use the consumption meter and the consumption graph yeah. that the car has Gamify built in. It. Yeah. Yeah, that thing is way more accurate because it's actually looking at the route you're about to take and it's using all sorts of things like the elevation, the type of road, the speeds anticipated to calculate it. And once you've been on the road for about 10 or 15 minutes, not only is it using what it calculates to be the, the, the average consumption based on the terrain, it'll now factor in the actual wind you're encountering, um, losses due to temperature, all that stuff. As you drive, it gets a better and better guess. So it'll either show more range or less range as you drive. That is far, far more precise. So put in your destination, start driving 15, 20 minutes in, go look at that graph. That tells you the real deal of like how far you're going to go. I mean, not only that again, but if you have a vehicle that, let's say, caps out at 310, exactly as what you thought the car would do, you start driving and you know the route you're taking is 24 miles. Right, so you're doing the math and that you're like, okay, I should have this specific mileage. But you're driving and like, but wait, why does it say I drove 33? It's all about conditions. It's mm -hmm. how fast you're accelerating. Is it city traffic versus highway traffic? Is the weather bad? Are your lights on? Wipers being used? Are you honking your horn? The car <laughs> used, everything you do in your car is using energy in the battery. Yeah, yeah, Every yeah. single thing you're doing. Now, whether it's the 12 volt or the actual battery pack, it's still using battery. And so mm -hmm. ideally... You can that number at the end of the day means absolutely nothing. It's just an estimate. And every time you see the vehicle, the Monroney stickers for the cars, they're EPA estimates. This vehicle can do up to X miles. But we'll also, we've also mentioned this. I know Ian's the guy that goes to like 0% on his battery from time to time just for fun. But most people don't get down to single digit percentages. Well, I, mean, I never do. get into that. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I think the closest I ever got was 2%. But that's one time it ever happened. Usually I'm in the teens and I charge at that, uh, which I did all the time coming up to Canada. Every time I was usually around 10, 15 percent and I end up having to hit a supercharger. Yeah. Ian actually made a good point a little bit earlier. And I just I thought I would I know we're beating this thing like a dead horse. But um, when your car is sitting there stationary, not doing anything, you charge 100 percent and you see that number. It's going to change as soon as you start driving. Yep. 
right? And it takes 10 to 15 minutes for it to settle in because when you're first starting, I mean, the car's got to warm up various electronics and stuff. That's using energy. That first 10% will go very, very quickly. So again, um, don't hang your hat on that number, right? Because it will literally change all the time. So yep. anyways, don't want to beat this one. But uh, anyways, that's our, that's our set. Yeah, exactly. All right, next question comes from our friend Chris. He says, I frequently set my climate and manual in my Model 3 just uh, because I just want to use my vents. Later, when I want to turn on AC in my car via the Tesla app, there's no option to set it back to automatic to engage AC. Am I missing something? Um, I don't use that function very often, but I don't believe so. I think when you set the climate control, when you turn it on, it just... Uh, so typically with the controls from the phone, you're going to have some limitations versus the full-fledged functionality that you'll see on the screen in your vehicle. So, for example, if your vehicle was in dog or camp mode, you could technically turn that off from your, your uh, iPhone app, but you can't then turn it back on to that specific setting. So the same goes with manual versus automatic. Um, ideally, you can turn on or off the climate, but once you turn off a certain setting, that's it. It's off. Yeah. You'd have to then go back into your vehicle's display and change it from there. Yeah, all I have on my, is, like I said, is just turn on climate. Like, mm -hmm. my interior is showing 45C right now. Yeah, you can defrost your windows, yeah. but that's, that's basically that's about, it. That's all you can yeah. do. Um, no reason why Tesla couldn't change this in the future, but for the time being, this is what we have mm -hmm. to deal with. I'm really curious to know if it's actually... Um, I'm, I'm assuming Chris is saying that he can't get the AC to actually come back on. Like it's now, because what he's doing is he's manually turning yes. AC off. He's just getting fresh air, right? Yeah. And it looks like when he now demands it to drop the temperature, it's not able to engage the AC. I assume that's the question. But now I'm, I feel like running outside and trying it. Yeah, you know what? I'm thinking the same thing too. Right after this, I'm going to jump in the car and yeah. test it up myself. Yeah, so. yeah we'll, we'll see. So, so pending that, Chris, thank you for sending in the question. Um, it's something we're definitely curious about ourselves. We thought off the, off the top of the bat, it, it doesn't change anything as soon as you turn it on. But uh, I'm curious. I have a feeling it does turn on the AC. But mm -hmm. That's an important function. I would think it would reset it. And you know, oh, really, you want to bring it down to X degrees? Well, yeah. it would bring but the AC back You on. piqued your curiosity, so we're going to go and check that out. All right, next question uh, comes from Aurelio. He says, uh, given the recent S and X refresh delivery problems, it seems the experience of prospective buyers has not been the best. Delays, deliveries, and pushback. Uh, if Tesla employees are listening to the podcast, how would you suggest Tesla improve communication with future owners? Oh, boy. Um, listen, we love the cars. We love the company. There are times when we don't like what the cars do, and there's times we don't like what the company does. Communications, as far as we're concerned, and we've seen this many, many times again because we run a forum after the fact, communication is the number one problem that Tesla has. And we don't know what the fix is. It's not like they don't have the money to throw at the problem. I don't know what the issue is. Um, it, I'm not to say that it's completely bad for everyone, but we see enough of negative comments to to see that there's definitely room for improvement mm -hmm. okay and unfortunately the snx refresh unfortunately there's not been a lot of communication and apparently it's taken almost like a petition online um to get tesla to finally respond to these owners and, a, and a, they actually did yesterday they sent out a mass mass email uh, but it's been pretty cryptic they didn't really say anything they didn't explain what the issue is could be a combination of wheels could be a combination of of uh, chip shortages which we know happen um, can be a variety of different factors. I think Tesla really should be a little bit more transparent uh, as far as this is concerned. Um, but I think globally, overall, I think communication is the number one thing that Tesla really does need to improve. Listen, the, the people, I know for a fact, the people that work at Tesla um, in the delivery environments and stuff, they're work to, they, they work really, really hard. Um, and, and, they, and I've talked to lots of them. They're very friendly people. They want to help you and stuff. But I think it's just a combination of just so many cars to deliver and not enough time. And, you know, communication should be better, absolutely. Um, I think in a lot of ways what, what would make sense for me, and one thing that I would propose if I was there is, is, is implementing, and this would take some time, it wouldn't be overnight, but maybe implementing some kind of chain of custody electronically through the, through the process. Like, okay, you've ordered your car, and then you get an email or something in your account, you know, like a timeline or something that shows, okay, you're being processed, your car is being sourced, your car is being built, much like what, you know, in some ways Apple kind of does in some respects, I mean, at various different levels, but, you know, something along the lines of, oh, your car has just finished production, now it's being now it's being shipped. I mean, you could follow along. If they were to do something like that, and I know they can because the cars have GPSs and they can locate them, 
if they were to implement something like that, I think that would go a long ways to helping the communication thing at least cut down on some some of the issues that they're having. Because that's what people want to do. They order the car, and after that, it's like radio silence until Tesla calls and says, like, your car is here, give us our money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I think what people really want to do is log in their account, and actually, I think most of them would be satisfied to see some kind of timeline to see exactly a chain of progression of what the car is, is going through. I mean, my vehicle experienced delays coming out of uh, Fremont before it was delivered in April 2018, and I contacted the folks in Las Vegas, uh, who was my advisor, and find out, you know, what sort of delays are happening. I was told when they first contacted me, here's the expected delivery date. Uh, That date basically got blown by by two weeks, and, you know, eventually the car got delivered, but it took me calling them to get updates as far as where things were. And, you know, they were understanding of my concerns, and I certainly was appreciative of their time. But it's complicated when they don't have a lot more information than we certainly do as prospective owners. But at the same time, I think about what they go through with, like, food delivery services. Like, if you order through Uber Eats or any company like that, and you're trying to figure out where your food is... Um, you know, you could certainly call a number of different entities. Do I call the restaurant? Do I call Uber Eats? Like, where's the food? Why is it delayed? You know, is it the kitchen? Is it the traffic? So there's a lot of different things with that. But no one's, like, losing their ever-loving minds. Like, where is my pasta primavera? <laughs> but with the car, it's a very different thing. And there's this culture that Tesla's cultivated that literally is all about dates and windows of time. And we consistently hear Elon talk about two weeks two weeks for this and two weeks for that. It's become a meme, but that's the way it works there, which is we want to have a deliverable. We intend on doing it within this time frame, but Tesla's history is full of delay after delay after delay. And ideally, this is a tough thing to do because for legacy automakers, you can just go to a dealership lot and all of a sudden you can just go, hey, there's a car. I want to buy that car. Tesla is literally going like, what do you want on your pizza? Okay, we'll make a pizza. It'll be like 10 minutes. And that's just what they're doing. They're making the cars to order, custom to every owner, and they're trying to pump them out as fast as they can. And so there's a lot of different delays. We know that COVID set back a lot of companies in terms of the availability of components, um, how soon they were getting there, staffing issues, all kinds of stuff. So this is not ideal. But to the point that Renee's making, it would be very, I'm sorry, to Aurelio, it'd be very helpful to say, hey, just let me know why there's a delay. And there may be some reasons that they can't say some stuff, but it would be helpful to at least let owners know or prospective owners, here's why it's delayed. We do apologize for it. We don't want to be firm on dates, but we're doing our best to get your car in the next four weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it might be. Well, we know that um, communications has certainly not scaled with production of the cars. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a time, I mean, you know, for some people that have been around a little longer than the Model 3, uh, there was a time when Tesla was producing, you know, S and X, uh, and they would spend two hours with you when you delivered your car, right? Mm-hmm. They do the whole delivery experience. Uh, we knew that that was unsustainable long term, but we were kind of hoping that they would do something, you know, uh, to help with that. Uh, you know, they got tutorials in the cars and stuff, and some of the owners' clubs, and obviously we did our our part with the forum to try and educate people. But again, communications is something that's not scaled uh, enough with the car, and we're hoping that Tesla does improve that. Um, I think. Some people are, are, I mean, the people that really complain about it the most, I think, are are coming from traditional car manufacturers where they're not really ordering cars. They're just buying what's on the lot, Mm -hmm. right? So you buy something that's on the lot, and a couple days later, you've got the car. Um, Now we're talking about a a process where you order a car online, and unless Tesla has inventory, which, of course, they have none right now because of demands through the roof, but now there's this waiting game, right? And people don't like to wait for something. There's this instant gratification. I get it. You spend, you know, anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars on a car. You, you know, you kind of want a little bit more out of the deal. I totally get that. I feel the same way in a lot of ways. But I'm willing to let it pass because I just understand how the company operates. But it doesn't mean that it's right. Mm. So. Well, I also want to add this one caveat, which is if you're on the website and you're looking at placing an order, I mean, you can do this now if you just want to do a build on the site. All you see as far as delivery dates are estimates. Yep. It's always an estimate from the very minute you're looking to build your car. So it may say estimate delivery four to six weeks. But again, there could be factors from the date you order your car until the date's delivered that cause that to go from four to six to six to eight to eight to ten. So it's never a you're getting your car in four to six. It's that right now 
we believe you can get it in four to six, but that number is flexible. So if you always remember from the very minute you place your order, it's only an estimate and you don't hold that against them, you have to be flexible in that because they're just saying that there could be changes that cause it to get delayed, which we're gonna see with almost every vehicle moving forward for a number of factors. Yep. We're gonna see that in Roadster. We're gonna see it with the Semi. We're gonna see that all the time because those, those are movable dates. Absolutely, absolutely, it's an estimate. When I ordered my Model 3, it said two weeks. I'm like, mm, okay, we'll see. It took seven. <laughs> it really said two weeks? It said two the weeks. It literally said time, two weeks. Classic but it took delay. seven. So okay. it is what it is. All right, let's move on here. we got another question here from, uh, this one comes from Renee. Is Tesla monitoring my 12-volt battery end-of-life health, uh, or should I make an appointment to get it swapped out before it fails as a 2019 Model 3 SR Plus? Um, I don't think Tesla themselves are monitoring the battery. The car does, and it will alert you when things start to go wrong. The no, moment I, you... I, the I, I thought they watched my every move. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a discussion <laughs> for another day. <laughs> uh, listen, Sorry, the, the moment you get any kind of message on your car screen about 12-volt battery, make an appointment right away because you have very... I mean, Eric, Eric will tell you. Yes, many people have... Uh, I had no warning, got my car the next day, and it just... <laughs> Exactly. Half the car was so, dead. We know through mm -hmm. later, you know, software updates that they've added some battery monitoring or some kind of proactive. Right. But if the, I wouldn't do it in advance. There's no need to. My car's two years old. Zero problems with the 12 volt battery. But Three the, the years. It, still mint. Exactly. So it's hit or miss. Um, so I, I will say this: if you see any message on your car about anything regarding 12 volt battery, uh, make an appointment right away because you could get stuck. So. The other option you have is if a lot of friends of ours, I know uh, Tesla Raj and others have done videos about lithium ion batteries. Mm. So you could always get a different battery for mm. your car if you want to upgrade it that Tesla will not give you, but you could certainly purchase and install yourself. They're certainly more expensive and they're heavier batteries. Uh, but if you're looking to change it up for something that's going to give you more longevity uh, and give you better efficiency, then that's an option for you. The lithium ones actually are a lot lighter. There's there's a lot of oh, people who are speed. Okay. Yeah, there, there's yeah. there are a lot of people who are speed freaks that swap them out because they're like, God, a quarter of the weight or something. My only I concern with lithium ion is is temperature. I mean, for us that live in the colder months, we know that lithium ion doesn't deliver the same amount of energy when it's cold. So, I would caution. If you yeah. live in California, Florida, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, Don't worry well, Renee's in Los Angeles, so okay. I think she's uh, he or she is good for uh, yeah. Yeah. But but well, if you're, but if yeah, you're in the cold climate, the, the, sorry, Jeff, I was going to say let's throw it back to the listeners and viewers because if any of you out there have the lithium-ion battery in your car and you're in a cold climate, we'd like to hear back from you. My, I would posit that it's probably okay because it's not like a conventional ice car where you need giant cold cranking amps in the winter, right? The thing only has to unlock the doors. That's not a heavy lift, you know. So I'm thinking it might still work. But I'd like to hear from anybody who has the experience. Yeah, just my experience. So yes, you're absolutely right about the cold cranking thing because you're not turning over a motor and stuff. But they are more resilient. Lead acid is more resilient in the cold, true. Uh, traditionally. So I don't know if these batteries have heaters in them. I, I really don't know. But anyways, I would just caution everybody on that. Do your research. But yeah, absolutely. If um, Ian's right, if anybody has done it, live in a colder climate, let us know. Listen, I'll, I'll run the experiment this winter. I have a lithium-ion battery in my motorcycle. So I'll leave it out one day on minus 25. We'll see if it starts. Okay, cool. Oh, thanks. Nice trick there, Eric. Mm -hmm. He just showed me in Google <laughs> Google Sheets a little trick. All right. Uh, let's see here. We have a question from Michelle. I have a... Tw oh, this is a long one. Uh, I have a 2018 Model 3 long-range dual motor with EAP and 2.5 hardware. If I upgrade to hardware 3, will this help my phantom braking? Which is kind of scary. Uh, and I don't use autopilot with anyone in the car because of this. Um, also, will it help with the fact that almost every time I get in the car, I have to reconnect my iPhone 8. Uh, my car is paid off in November, and if I don't spend $1,000, uh, will be, um, or if it will be paid off. Anyways. Okay, Michelle. So, will it help with phantom braking? No. Uh, phantom braking, if your car, I mean, obviously you have a 2018, so you have a radar in it. Radar is part of the problem with the phantom braking, which is why Tesla is moving to a vision-based system. Whether Tesla deactivates the radar once this full vision system thing is fully legitimized and running on the whole fleet, not just the cars that have the vision systems, mm -hmm. we don't really know. I understand. Phantom braking has been uh, a real pain in the butt for literally everybody. Everybody complains about it. I get it occasionally. It's not fun. I, I totally feel you. But we really can't answer that. We don't know at this point. Um, 
Now, as far as your connection with your iPhone 8, that has nothing to do with the hardware uh, three computer. The hard, the, uh, so uh, Teslas have two main computers in the car. One is the infotainment system. That's what we call the MCU, the main computing unit. That runs the HVAC, the, the maps, the nav, all that other stuff. The hardware three computer is responsible for autopilot, and that's all it does. It has nothing to do with your phone. So if you're having trouble with your connections, uh, it is a Bluetooth thing, and everybody experiences it on the Model 3. One of the things I could suggest to you is um, unpair your phone. Turn off the Bluetooth, reboot it, repair it again. You know, have your key card ready because you need that as part of the authentication process. Um, try that. That will probably help. I know for me occasionally because my wife has the app on her phone and I have the app on my phone, there are times when she approaches the car, she gets in it, she leaves and it locks and it's on her profile. Sometimes I approach and it won't unlock and it's, it, it's a pain. I experienced that this past weekend. So Bluetooth is not perfect. I understand your pain. Um, but I would suggest that with, with your phone is, is do the repairing thing. I've had to do it on a couple occasions, and every single time fixes the problem. So that would be my suggestion. I, any thoughts on your ends, guys? Well, also, it's an iPhone 8, so I'm not sure if the phone itself, if it's Bluetooth, is sort of uh, on the fritz, and it may not be the car, it could be the yeah, device. I, I, would do the, I would do the pairing thing first. No, I, I agree. Rule, rule out the, the problem with the yeah. phone, obviously, because they are pretty reliable. But yeah, Bluetooth is kind of a pain. Let's see here. Is there anything else? Um, Waypoints. Oh, yes. Uh, thanks for all your help. And please let Eric know that uh, rate points are really important. <laughs> I understand. It's, it's yeah. not for everybody. I, I will say that um, having driven from Florida to Canada, there are certainly times where um, waypoints... I mean, waypoints now, for anybody who does a trip where you have to supercharge, that technically is a waypoint because you're going from A to B, but intermittently you have to stop at a charger. Uh, so I can see why waypoints for some people would be a vital thing. Um, I'm just some of that if you're stopping... Um, cause in, in her line of work, she's in sales. So, you know, you're making multiple stops a day, even if you're going from client A to client B to client C, I would say like, once I'm at client A, I already know I'm going to go to client B. So whether it's already entered ahead of time, which is already a time consuming thing, cause you're trying to put all the addresses in or, you know, there are favorites, whatever it is, you're still having to, at some point enter that it's not saving you more time one way or the other. So if it, if it gets added, which I know Elon's, uh, reneged on that and said he would just go ahead and add it um but i don't begrudge people who want it i'm not saying it shouldn't be there i'm just saying that i think most owners for how they drive would not use it but for those I, that do i can see the benefit until we see waypoints one of the things that i do if i know if i'm going on a on a on a, on a drive somewhere and, and i know that i need to make two or three stops what i will do is before i leave I, i'll actually enter the furthest distance into the car so I can get an estimate right away so mm -hmm. that if I was to go at, you know that far and all the way back because don't forget when you're stopped and you put in an address it will show you the stops and you have to scroll down at the bottom it'll show you the return how much battery you'll have right. left when you return so that's what I will do is I have to make two or three stops or whatever the case may be I'll put in the furthest distance and see what the return is and if I'm good I don't have to worry about it but yes there are times yeah absolutely when it would be nice yeah. to have uh, waypoints for sure I mean, Elon said they're going to do it, but you know, where does that li where is it on the list on the whiteboard? Like, mm -hmm. what? <laughs> right. What's the yeah. priority? We don't know yet. Well, given Elon's Twitter feed, is probably uh, on the thousands. I would guess. <sighs> well, you know what? It's not. You have to remember, Elon's not the guy coding this stuff. He's giving it yeah. to the teams, right? Elon's busy building rockets right now. That's I, where his I priorities would, are. I so. would think though that's probably an easy fix for them to implement because, like, with, like I mentioned with supercharging, they already have waypoints because of that. I would imagine that having just like a second or third or fourth address field, like on Google Maps, where you can just type in the next address and it creates the waypoints for you. I mean, heck, their, um, their online trip planner, you can put waypoints in. You just can't do it in the car. True. Well, there's several factors there. It's, it's the routing portion they have to write, and then there's the UI portion they have yeah. to do, then they have to validate. So anyways, hopefully it'll come soon. All right, Debbie Downer. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, last question of the day comes from Jake. If I accept Tesla's trade-in offer and continue to drive and put more miles on my current car, will Tesla honor the trade-in after um, offer price? My ETA has been pushed back to December. A thousand miles. No, I'm sorry. It may be, it may be less than that. I think it's maybe 500. So once you once you agree to a trade, there's a, a limited number of miles you can continue adding to the car that, where the value will not depreciate. But you have to stay within that number. If you go past that number, they'll have to. They're, they're going to nullify your trade-in. 
So, you, so you just ask your uh, sales advisor, your your or whoever's whoever your contact yeah, is, yeah, and just ask them. Uh, it may be in your documentation already on the agreement as far as what your limit is. I, I think it's somewhere it's either five hundred or a thousand. I could be wrong on that. Uh, it may have changed since then, but that's the, you need to know that know that number. Yeah, and the, that's and that's going to keep your value. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, this whole thing about I mean I've seen quite a few people on Twitter saying the same thing. They place orders for cars, but because of being pushed back, mm-hmm. it's like well, what do I do with my trade in? I mean, what time frame do I have? I mean, what's the, the financing like? That's that's a bit that's a big problem, and I know right now, especially in the U.S., the the values of used cars have gone through the roof. But I think we're starting to see a trend now; it's starting mm-hmm. to come down a little bit. So yeah, I mean, what do we do about that? Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. If especially if it's if it's been pushed to December, that's a lot of mileage between now and then. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking a good you know four months from now. Yeah, uh, I would confirm with Tesla. You may have to you know find alternate transportation if that's the case or see if they want to revisit your trading value if you if you feel like the trading value could depreciate by a lot between now and then then it would be in your best interest to maybe consider selling the car privately uh if that's also your concern because you may get better value versus trading it in uh if you think the values are as he just noted uh maybe higher than expected for the u.s market Mm -hmm. exactly just a thought well that's what we have for you this week (laughs) We always love the questions. We haven't done this in a while, so it's mm-hmm. nice to hear from people again. Like I said, if anybody has anything to chime in on this, uh, comments on the YouTube channel, whatever the case may be, uh, email us, let us know. Um, you know, We're open for constructive criticism. Don't criticize just for the sake of criticizing. <laughs> That's just us. All right. Uh, any closing thoughts, guys, before we sign off on this show? I'm hungry. I'm hungry? Yeah, me too. <laughs> we're going to a concert tonight. I just bought my first can of bear repellent. Bear repellent. I mentioned it to him yesterday. I'm what? like, you're gonna, you're gonna want to get some of that. Where, where are you going? Labrador. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, this is the big trip, dude. Remember, I told you about that. Yeah, oh, I'm, saying, yes. I'm getting on my motorcycle on Friday morning, and I am Bear doing the Trans Labrador Highway, baby, end to end. Well, you know, we want to hear all about that. So. Just don't spray yeah. Smokey the Bear. Whatever you do, yeah, leave Smokey. Not Smokey. Thing. No, Smokey's yeah, cool. Don't smoke out Smokey. No, 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 no. No, no. Any bears coming at me with teeth exposed is basically, I think, what I'm concerned about. We'll any see. bears coming at you? Teeth or no yeah. teeth? <laughs> yes. I'm yes. not taking any chances. Tesla bear claws. Yeah. Yeah. All but, right, uh, Ian, yeah. since you're on the uh, screen, where can people find you if they want to chat with you? Uh, on Twitter, the handle is at uh, Ian Pavelko. Uh, Tesla owners online. Um, the name is Mad Hungarian. And if you're looking for something in the way of a fun uh, Tesla shirt, you can visit the Mad Hungarian Evolve Wear store at Teespring, T-E-Spring, all one word, dot com. Excellent. How about you, dude, who's sitting beside me? Where can oh, people find you? <laughs> hi. Uh, you Other can, than here. <laughs> that's right. Uh, just for just for a few days. You can find me on Twitter at the ECFIX, E-C-F-I-X. And uh, I'm not in the forums. I have nothing else to promote. <laughs> I'm on vacation. See you guys later. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Right, well, that leaves me, and I want to say thank you for uh, to Eric for joining us on the show here, in person, no less. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you can follow me on Twitter. The handle is Tesla Owners Online. Don't forget to check out and join the forum. It's free, best place on the planet to discuss Tesla stuff, teslaownersonline.com. And I want to say thank you to our uh, Patreon subscribers, as well as our uh, fantastic sponsors, the guys at Evanex, as well as Fine Lab Ceramic Coatings to protect your car, get your nice accessories. That's it for this show. Thanks for joining in, guys, and we'll see you next time. See ya. Au revoir tout le monde. Goodbye. Rosebud. Call the police. <laughs> oh, I forgot. <laughs>